You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Michael Levitt. He is president and CEO of Breakfast Leadership. We're going to talk a little bit about the challenges of leadership, the mindset of leadership, some of the things you need to do as leaders, which are sometimes not easy, and the things that need to happen to be able to grow and scale your business. I'm excited to talk about both kind of the practical, logical side, but also kind of the the psychological side, what gets in our heads, what gets in our way, and what we need to do to level up, be better leaders, uh, and grow our businesses. So with that, Michael, welcome to the program. Great to be with you, Bruce. So why don't we talk a little bit about your background uh, before we kind of jump into the topic. How did you get into the work that you're doing now, working with leaders, working on kind of the psychology and the mindset. Tell us about the background. For me, I was thrown into leadership at an early age. When I say thrown in, I, I actually applied and was hired. Uh, but <laughs> By um, choice. I, yeah, I was like, oh, why not? Let's see what happens. Oops. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that happens sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no, seriously, you know, I've been fortunate to have a dynamic career. I started off in public accounting and then rode the dot-com wave until that blew up and then crawled back to bean counting and then entered healthcare because I had nothing better to do and was a healthcare executive for almost a dozen years. And during that time, I was also going through some significant burnout and stress and had a pretty horrendous year and had to rebuild and reinvent everything. And I did. And then uh, the reason why I launched my organization was because I was seeing way too many people going down the same road that I did. And it scared me. And I made the decision that I could not stand on the sidelines and allow it to happen to others. So I needed to do something about it. So that's why I launched my organization. Yeah. You know, I think it's an important discussion because I think that... Unfortunately, there there is a lot of stress. There's a lot of bad outcomes from stress on the business side in general, particularly in the entrepreneurial world. There's you know tragic stories, obviously, of people coming to high levels of stress. But I think even just just the general entrepreneur, you know, is dealing with just day to day constant levels of of stress. You know, both both kind of physical, mental, and it has all sorts of I think negative outcomes for not only for them personally but for the business. So I, you know, important topic. Tell us about the organization. So how did you sort of take this sort of the insight or the passion that you had about addressing this issue and turn it into the work that you do? What's the format? How do you actually help folks with these issues? Well, the first thing I did is I made sure to seek out some really smart people that had gone before me, maybe not so much in the in the stress management and burnout prevention type of world, but entrepreneurs that were relatively 
still new into their business, but had gained some success because I figured they probably fell on their face a few times. And yeah. if they could help me at least minimize the number of trips that I have in, in the launching of the business, that was important. So I was fortunate to seek out some really intelligent individuals for specific areas that I needed to grow. As I alluded to earlier on, I started off in accounting. So marketing was not an area that I was <laughs> particularly familiar with. Yeah. We made a lot of fun of the marketing people. I did take a marketing class because it was required for me to get my bachelor's degree. Yeah. So uh, otherwise, I probably would not have taken it. But I, I regret that decision. If I could tell my earlier self, you know, one thing, that would be it. It's like, yeah, maybe take a couple more marketing <laughs> I like classes. It. I was smart enough. I took a bunch of typing classes in high school because I didn't want the homework and it really has helped me in my career. But yeah. I probably should have paid attention to marketing. Uh, yeah. But entrepreneurs specifically, they are a group that I'm really passionate about because obviously I'm one of them. Yeah. But also, too, I see too many of them just spending all of their time on their business, which I get. You know, They're trying to launch it. They're trying to get everything growing, meeting with clients, figuring out mm -hmm. social media, figuring all these things. And they shortchange their own life and they stop doing things that are beneficial to them. And it impacts their health, their home life, mm -hmm. their friends, everything. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, congratulations, you have a successful business. You're too darn tired now to enjoy any yeah, of it. Yeah. Why, why are you doing that? So it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I know a lot of people want their businesses to you know, be a multi-billion dollar entity after six weeks. That's not typically going to happen. So you need to pace yourself and, and look to those that have done it before you. And what I've discovered is there are so many of us that are so willing to give our guidance and tips that's worked for us. Now, it may not work for somebody else, but at least you know, reach out to those people that are doing well. And more often than not, they're very generous with their time to say, yeah, maybe not do this, try this, and avoid that shiny object disease. <laughs> you know, a good colleague of mine, Kim Sutton, talks about that all the time. And and she because she's guilty of it, she yeah. publicly admits that she is guilty of shiny object syndrome. And yes, it's a great idea, but is it in alignment with what you need to be doing right now to grow your business and scale it up. And if it isn't, then put it off to the side or like they do in all those fun meetings we get to go to from time to time, you put it in the parking lot and, <laughs> exactly. and, and drive as far away from that parking lot as you can. They, they forget that part. They don't yeah. tell us that part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Forget about it. Put it yeah. in the parking lot and forget about it. You know, just, let's just talk about stress a little bit because I'm always kind of curious how people kind of define or categorize or kind of analyze stress. When you look at or when you're working with, with somebody, or you're working with an entrepreneur or working with a leader and you're trying to kind of assess how kind of quote unquote stressed they are, what are the things that you're looking for? What are the things that from your point of view kind of define or qualify or indicate that they are under a high level of stress? Oh, for me, I ask them, what has their nutrition been like lately? Is it different from what it usually is? Um, how's their sleep patterns? And one of those exercises that I do with groups and in individuals is... I have them take a sheet of paper and draw a line down the middle of it, a vertical line. And on the left side, I want them to write down everything that they do that they really enjoy and love, whether it's a favorite coffee shop, vacation destination, going to a sporting event, anything, you know, it, things that they really love doing. 
And after you know a couple sheets, I, I have them, okay, now this is as complete as you can think of at the moment. Great. Okay, now on the right of each of those items, I want you to write down the last time you did them. And 100% of the time, or at least 99% of the time, I usually hear groans or I see eye rolls <laughs> or you know some self-guilt because they don't do the things that they enjoy. And I, and I ask them, when are you going to get around to living your life and, and actually enjoying yourself? And they say, well, they don't have time. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I was in Ikea yesterday and they don't sell those 25-hour clocks. I looked. <laughs> they, they don't exist. So we all get the same clock. You know, some, yeah. some are digital, some are analog, but it's the same 24 hours. Yeah. See, you have to build in some time to do this. It, no matter if you're a, a single individual solo entrepreneur trying to build this business, you're trying to you know, cover your rent and food. I get it. Believe me, I know all of these pressure points. But you have to do things that you enjoy. And and I look at these lists and there's a ton of things on there that either cost nothing or under $10. You know, yeah, okay, a, a trip to the Riviera and a cruise and all that. You know, of course, that's going to cost a little bit. I get that. But, you know, going to your favorite coffee shop in the morning, you know, as long as you're not indulging too much, you're going to be able to get out of there reasonably without, you know, putting a dent in your wallet. But you know, do those things and, and schedule them. And then the, the follow-up exercise, I say, okay, I want you to pick three things on this list and put them on your calendar and you're going to do them within the next 10 days and treat it as if it's the most important meeting you'll ever have with your boss. Don't skip it. Don't miss it. Don't come up with excuses. Go. You know, there's got to be a time slot you can put these things in. Yeah. Do them. I think and, you know, there's a couple of things in there that I think I, I want to kind of dig into because I think you're bringing up topics or issues, dynamics that I see again and again. And I think that they really end up impacting kind of not only effectiveness, but kind of, I wouldn't even call it happiness because I, I tend to not think of it so much as about, are you happy, but are you engaged? Like, are, are you feeling kind of positively productive and, you know, enjoying things? It may be hard. It may not be something that you're, you know, are, is quote unquote fun or happy, but they, I want to make people feel engaged the work they're doing. But this idea of money, I think is a really important one. And yes, if you're going to put, you know, I want to travel by private jet to Ibiza and, you know, party for a week. It's like, okay, yeah, I mean, that's going to cost a lot of money. But there are things you can do day to day, just shifting how you do something, whether it's, you know, instead of having this meeting, you know, in the conference room, go for a walk and have the meeting, right? And it completely changes your engagement or your sort of enjoyment of something. You're still getting the work done and there's no monetary shift there, but there are choices that you can make about how you do things that are going to drive kind of more satisfaction, more engagement in your day to day. And I think that's a really missed opportunity. I think a lot of people kind of are focused on this. Well, the things that I need money to to do versus just things that I, you know, are not a money factor. They're just a choice about how I choose to execute on this. Yeah, exactly. And going for a walk for lunch or yeah. or picking a different lunch place, for example. I'm fortunate, you know, where my office is is in downtown Toronto. I mean, there's no possible way that I can eat at all the restaurants that are down here. It just yeah. I unless I just constantly eat and that wouldn't be good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just impossible. So for me, you know, we we all are a creature of habit. So we want to, okay, we're gonna always eat here. We eat the same sandwich at the same place at the same time. And it's like, mix it up, you know, do something different. Like you said, go, if you're going to have that meeting, you know, have a walking meeting or say, Hey, why don't we, why don't we extend it a little bit? Cause if we did it before lunch or after lunch, it's like, why don't we go have lunch, have the meeting somewhere. If the company can't afford it, great. Okay. Then everybody pays it. You're going to be buying your own lunch anyway, when you yeah. went out to lunch. So it's not a big deal. Yeah. Spread it out and change things up. Cause sometimes when you get out of the fishbowl, you tend to see things a little bit clearer and it's a, a different state and from an environmental standpoint 
the atmosphere is different. It's yeah. not the stodgy boardroom that we all loathe and we, we see all the mission, vision, and values posters that are hanging up on the walls that nobody yeah, reads. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, know, you get outside and get some real vitamin D instead of you know the, the, the pill form and, and away you go. Yeah, yeah. And this whole idea of the, I, I like the idea of the list of having, you know, kind of writing down all the things. The thing that I find, I think I personally do it and I certainly have the folks that I work with is is kind of this idea of do I do I want to do this or do I have to do this? And the more things we can kind of get into that I want to, like it's a choice that I make. Like you can, I think there's a big difference between someone who is working really hard, long hours, really intensely, like really putting all in on something that they want to do versus someone who is burning out because they're slaving against a list of things that they really don't want to do. They feel they have to do. I think there's a big difference between those two lists. I mean, it, from the outside, it may look like the same person working really, really hard. But I think and internally, I think the mindset or the, you know, how it's impacting them, you know, psychologically can be quite different. And, and I'm curious on your take on that as someone who's sort of dealing with folks in these intense situations. Oh, I, I agree 100% with you on that. It's you know, a lot of times, and this is something where organizations and employees need to communicate better on is finding the sweet spot. Now, work is work. You know, okay. So, you know, some people love work more than others and there's some people that are absolutely in the wrong job and there may be circumstances that are keeping them in that role right now. Mm-hmm. It could be financial, location, who knows. But at this particular moment that we're having this conversation, overall in North America, the economy is doing rather well when it comes to jobs and opportunities. There isn't the massive amount of unemployment that we saw a decade ago with the economic recession and everything like that. So overall, and again, there's instances where maybe in your community that's not the case, yep. but overall there's there's choices. Also with online, there's ability to do your own business and all that kind of stuff. So there's you have choices, but of course there's going to be work involved with that. But ultimately what you want to find, and I think you alluded to this earlier you know, when you mentioned happiness, I think people are trying to strive so much for happiness and they're driving way past what really is important and it's actually fulfillment. Mm, it's yeah. you know, reconnecting with, okay, why did you apply to work at this organization in the first place? What was about this job that enticed you? Try to get back to that. Look at the organization. Again, could be small, could be big. If you're an entrepreneur, it's the same thing. Why did I launch this business? Why did I feel that I was going to make an impact by doing this business? If you launch this business purely on, I'm going to be rich, reconnect with that and make sure that it's actually right for you. Because in order for you to get quote unquote rich, you need to offer something that is going to be beneficial to others and something that you enjoy doing. Because if it's like running through mud, you're not going to hit those levels because you don't like doing it. And when you get into that situation, it's just going to bog things down. It's just going to pile up and make things worse. And this is where the stress builds up and burnout can come in is when you're constantly fighting against it, other things in your life start to get irritating. It could be relationships. (laughs) It could be all kinds of things. And next thing you know, your fuse gets shorter and shorter. And all of these things start happening as a domino effect and you really start struggling 
struggling. And again, that you got to refocus on things yeah. and you have to focus on what you say yes to and really, really focus on what you say no to. I, I like to say no is a complete sentence and you need to be comfortable with yeah. that. And too often people aren't because either A, they're a people pleaser, B, they are afraid of what the other person is going to say, whether it's their boss or a loved one or friend. Or You have to take care of yourself first and saying no to the things that aren't in alignment with what you need to be doing right now is crucial. And we have to give ourselves permission to, to say no more or return to our inner toddler because they say no all the time. <laughs> I have an 18 month old and, and that is yeah. his favorite word. <laughs> yep. no, yeah. no, so, no. so you have a built in mentor in your house. Yeah, Congratulations. Exactly. exactly. Channel my inner son. Let me ask this because I think I see this a lot in leaders, you know, CEOs, founder CEOs, and, and they can have companies of tens of millions of dollars. And we start going through, you know, basically what they're doing. We go week to week, you know, how are their days? How are their weeks structured? What are the activities? And and we start listing out all these things. And there, there's just long lists of things that they're doing that they don't like doing. They're not particularly good at, yet they, they somehow are convinced they still need to do, like they're somehow obligated to do. And it just, it baffles me because they're, I mean, they have complete control. <laughs> you know, they have 100% equity in the company or they, you know, they're controlled shareholder in the company, you know, they have all the right and all the ability and all the role power in the world to be able to say, I'm going to do this or not do this, but yet they don't do it. And I'm just, I'm curious what, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you run into this or I'm assuming you see this and I just, what do you think is going on in there? Like, what do you think is the the mindset or, or the issues that are blocking them from being able to say, hey, look, here's something that I don't like doing. I'm not particularly good at it. I should delegate it. I should get someone else to do this. I should, I should let this thing go. I guess, what's your experience or what's your kind of thinking in terms of what gets people on that situation. Well, you're describing a version of me from 10 years ago <laughs> where you know I couldn't delegate anything because for me, I see a common element with people like this that you know they rose through the ranks. They were really successful in their career, type A personality driven, changing things, really making things better. And there's an element of addiction to that feeling. Mm. There's also I think from the perspective of thinking and being too tied to controlling the entire journey of whatever they're doing, a project, a service, whatever. And and for me, I was that way. And even to the point where you know, I was like, yeah, I know they can do it, but I can do it faster or they're too busy, so I'll go ahead and do it. If that's a, if that's a one-off, okay. But if it's everything, then all of a sudden, as a director or C-suite executive, VP, whatever, you are to lead and direct the organization or your department or your division. You are the leader. We'll use a baseball analogy. You know, we, you know, yesterday was the last day of the regular season. Managers are out there. They are really directors of, of the team. They're not out there playing. They're out directing. They're putting people in the right place to do the things that need to be done for the mission, which in this case is to win a baseball game, has a chance of happening. That's the same thing as a C-suite executive or a leader or even an entrepreneur. There are things that you're doing that you can delegate. And if you do that, then what happens is it frees up the time for you to work on the things that only you can do. It's the reason why people hire you, whether you're a C-suite executive 
executive or you are an executive of your own organization and clients work with you, they hire you for something that only you can do. So that's what you should be focusing on and delegate the rest. Yes, I know oftentimes money can be an issue, but in this online space, you can get basically everything done at a very affordable yeah, rate. Absolutely. And, but then again, going back to what we kind of alluded to earlier with the shiny object syndrome, you have to figure out what do I want to do? What's my organization about? What do I do? What are the things that I offer? If you try to offer a hundred things, you're going to be in a lot of trouble because you're not going to be able to do all of those things. Pick a couple things that you're really, really good at. Focus on those. Parking lot the rest doesn't mean you won't get to them. You might do it if your clients want it, of course, you know, and they're willing to pay for it by all means, you know, figure out a way to offer that to them as a, a value add or maybe even, you know, a side business of your other organization. But delegation is is crucial. And I, I went from, my pendulum swung from not being able to delegate anything to the point anything lands on my desk or in my inbox. I go, okay, who besides me could work on this? Mm, yeah. And the assistant I had at the last place that I was at um, actually despised me for saying that. <laughs> she, she would hear me on interviews and I'd say that and she just, it would open up the door quietly look at me and stare at me and and, and then slowly close the door back and i'm thinking i'm kind of afraid to open that door now i'm not sure what's on the other side exactly uh yeah and i think you touched on an interesting one which i do see reasonably frequently which is I think I kind of I kind of get into this mode in you know with the folks that I work with of thinking it's a skill thing. So we go into like okay, well, so how are you delegating? And we kind of go through a delegation strategy, and you know how do you have the conversation, and who you're dealing to? Like it's kind of like a tactical issue. And what ends up happening is then I kind of ask this question of okay, well, so if you delegate and you free up your time, what are you going to do with your time? And they end up looking at me with this blank stare, and I realize that is the problem. Is that it's not so much. I mean, they may not know how to delegate effectively, but it's not so much about that. It's more of they don't know what to do with their time. And so it ends up becoming this kind of ego kind of fear thing where it's like, well, they don't want to give up the work because if they're not doing the work, they're not sure what to do. And now they're, they don't have value or they're not creating value. And so it ends up becoming this, yeah, it's almost like an addiction issue. It's like they're kind of addicted to the work they're doing and they can't give it up because they don't have something else to go to. And it really becomes a conversation of, oh, okay, so what do you need to do next? Like what's the next level of the company? Strategically, where do you want to go? How do we set some bigger goals? You know, creating kind of pull to get them into these other tasks tasks to allow them to give up because otherwise I find that they won't give them up. I mean, they just won't give up tasks if they don't know what they're going to do with their time. Yeah, that's the thing. They're spending so much time doing things that they don't have the opportunity to look forward to see, you know, where the organization will go. You know, we, you know, to date our conversation, you know, there's there's been discussion about a potential recession. I mean, the indicators aren't there yet, but anybody that paid half attention in econ class in college knows that they happen. They yep. come and go. We live in a yep. cyclical economy. Exactly, yeah. and we. You know, of course, I think there's still some wounds from the last one. So I think people automatically default to, oh, it's going to be that bad. It may not be. I hope it wouldn't be. But if you are spending time on tasks and in the day to day type of stuff, it doesn't give you the opportunity to look forward to be able to pivot or look for growth opportunities or offerings or engage with your stakeholders, your clients, just to see, you know, how are things going? You know, just a check in type of thing. Yeah. You start adding that to your repertoire you are going to scale your business because you're spending time on growing it instead of just doing it. And yeah, I see it all the time too, where they're like, well, I don't have the right people. Well, there's this thing called, you <laughs> yeah. can either A, train them, uh-huh. 
B, you can hire new people, can modify. And that's the thing I always tell people, especially if they're leading a team, is you know, get to know the strengths and the areas of growth for those people and interest. Because you may find that you have somebody working in a particular division that would be so much better than another one. And all of a sudden your business starts to grow because you just shifted some pieces around. Yeah. And yeah. and that can be the same thing with you know an entrepreneur and a solopreneur. It's like, okay, what are you good at? What are you lousy at? Don't do what you're lousy at because you will hate it and you'll throw in the towel and you'll say, I'm not doing this. And I, one of the things that bugs me is when I see entrepreneurs you know, leave their, their startups so early is how many great products and services that would dramatically impact our world in a positive way never see the yeah. light of day because people gave up too soon. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that way, people. You can do it. You just understand, like I said, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And, mm-hmm. and do the right thing and and say no to those right things to say no to and and yes to the things that will will benefit you and the people you serve. Yeah. Well, you mentioned this earlier and I wanted to come come back to it, this idea of if, if you're growing and scaling your company is kind of figuring out really what you're going to focus on. I was at um, business uh, competition, startup competition uh, this last weekend and I was I was mentoring one of the teams and they were they had a, a product, a fairly successful niche product in the industry that they work in. They have sort of a unique approach to it and and they're doing pretty well and they've they're they're getting traction and then they're talking about this new product that they're developing which is kind of the more traditional way of dealing with the situation and they're talking about how they're going to develop this new one and 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 I was kind of asking like well why are you why are you developing this new product which is really the old way of doing it and like well because you know there's still a lot of people that want this thing and there's companies out there produce it we feel we realize we could use some of the things we do and produce it pretty quick I'm like okay wait so you're going to you're going to start a two front war <laughs> in your market one using a niche product which you're clearly the leader in, you know, are there no more customers for that product out there? Like, oh no, we could, we could, you know, 10 times the business on that new product. But I'm like, okay, but yet you're going to open up a new product line to compete on an old technology with a very competitive marketplace. And, they, and as I was kind of talking, they're like, oh yeah, we shouldn't do that. Should we? <laughs> I was like, I don't think so. Yeah. But it was just like this desire to like, oh, well, here's another, like, oh, we could sell this thing or we could sell that thing or we could have that service. We could add that service. And people just getting so distracted, particularly at this scale. I mean, look, if you're a hundred million dollar company and you're trying to figure out, you know, how to open new divisions and stuff like that, I'll have that conversation with you. But if you're less than a hundred million dollars, like doubling down on the things that are working is probably the best thing you can do. Oh, agreed. Because otherwise you start spending all of your effort on all of these things that have no synergies. And then you're stretching your team and deliverables, of course, are never in alignment. So you're trying to finish this project or that project. The clients are different. Their demands and needs are different. So you end up, you almost get to the point where you start having an identity crisis. Yeah, you're schizophrenic. Who, yeah, yeah, who are, yeah, exactly. You're going to the doctor and getting stress medication because your your company decided to you know, completely switch gears on, on what they offer and offer something else. I saw that growing up. I grew up in Detroit, so I saw GM do that in the 80s. I'm like, you make cars? Yeah. And, oh, yeah, well, we bought a satellite TV business. I'm like, um... What? What? <laughs> I, I, something does not compute. <laughs> I know diversify income is something that you hear people talk about. Yeah. I mean, at a small scale, your General Motors, you're a, just a gigantic 
organization. Why are you spinning your wheels over on this? It doesn't make sense. Maybe try making some cars better. Then you'll sell more. And guess what? Things take care of themselves. Yeah. Or at least something to do with motors. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, can exactly. See, I can see kind of diversifying around a core competency in a different market, but going to satellites, it's like, oh, last I checked, satellites don't run on gas powered engines. So. No, not, not, not as far as I know, they don't. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure it's pretty much all uh, electronically designed and, and floating in the air, basically. Yeah. yeah. What are some other things you can do or, or things that you've seen in terms of you know effective leaders? finding that kind of I'll hesitate on balance because I think I think successful people sometimes still are not totally balanced <laughs> but at least an integrated uh, kind of work life personal like habits routines things that help them be more productive more successful you know in the marathon rather than just kind of the the daily sprint that they're in yeah I like to use the phrase so you know work-life harmony uh, instead of yeah. balance balance doesn't you know doesn't work yeah. other than it being uh, an album that Van Halen and released in 1995, you know, <laughs> and it was funny. the The liner notes of that album, there's an egg that's resting on Eddie's uh, guitar neck. And of course, anybody's tried to stand an egg up, is, yeah. it's not going to work unless it's. If oh, it I'm does, gonna, I'm going to go if, look at that. Yeah, yeah. If if that egg does balance. I wouldn't necessarily eat it because it's, it, yeah. it's modified and no, <laughs> don't do that. I'm not going to get into that discussion. But for me, one of the things that I, I, I see people really become a little bit more successful in getting that harmony going is to really track their time. And if they can use a calendar, I use a digital one um, that's accessible on my phone, on the computer, wherever. Some people use paper ones. That's great. doesn't matter what format you do. But you know, track how you're spending your time and color code things. So your meetings are in. I like doing meetings in red because that's usually what I see when I get another meeting. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, and then for things that are beneficial to you, that you enjoy doing self-care or, you know, taking care of yourself, launch, whatever, pick your favorite color. So use a highlighter or if you're using a digital calendar, then, you know, color code them. Then that way, over a period of time, over a week or a month or a quarter, you can look back and you can look for certain colors and you'll see themes. You'll go, okay, I didn't spend as much time on self-care this month as I normally do, but this was our product launch month. I get it. So you can you can kind of get ahead of these things from happening. Yeah. In case in point, I did this exercise at the beginning of 2016. I was on two boards of directors, part of a very busy healthcare organization, multi-site organization. And of course, I color-coded my meetings. And I looked at my calendar, and it literally was a sea of red. And I counted all the meetings that I had, whether it was internal meetings at the office, board meetings, committee meetings, whatever. In the month of January, I had 54 meetings. Wow. And I said to myself, okay, burnout guy. Exactly. At least you you see it coming. (laughs) Time for you to eat your own dog food here and, and, and adjust this. So... I immediately resigned from both boards and changed some of the internal meetings to say, okay, do I actually need to have these? What What's yeah. going on with these? So by April, I think there was like seven meetings because otherwise it would have just continued down that path. And I thought, uh-uh, no. So you have, to, you have to get in touch with, okay, how you're spending time. And with the harmony component, you know that depending on your industry, there are seasons that may be a little bit more chaotic than others. Well, factor that in. Understand that. For me, I know that my autumn tends to be busier just because it's a natural time of year. Everyone's refreshed from summer vacation and there's initiatives 
people are trying to get things wrapped up before the end of the year, all kinds of things. So autumns tend to be busy for me. So I know that. So I'm very particular and what I do, how I schedule things and, and whatnot. And in learning and getting an understanding with that can help you prepare and adjust things to the point where it doesn't stress you out. You know what it is. And you're going back to the point you mentioned before with delegating and, and freeing things up so you have some more time. You know, there's nothing wrong with sitting in your office for half an hour and not doing anything. Yeah, exactly. It's actually good. Because you're because really doing something. You're, you, there's something going on in your brain while you're sitting there, you know, not focusing on any particular task. And that's really important time. Yeah. It's the clarity creates opportunities for growth and things that you wouldn't have seen because you're you're running. You know, so imagine you're you're driving down the I five and you're doing you know 120. Oh, mm-hmm. Don't don't get pulled over. Well, actually, with traffic, you're, you're not. You <laughs> might be, you might 1.20, not 120. Sorry, I, I misspoke there. But anyway, you're, so you're driving along and you're not going to see things if you're hopefully paying attention to the road and you're going pretty fast. When you're sitting at a standstill, you know you can look out and you go, you know, wow. Look at whatever, or look at that car, or look over and see. Well, I've never noticed that house before. And it's like, well, I've never noticed, you know, that field before. Or there's a lake there. I never knew that. I've been doing this route for 20 years. You know, it's just there's those things where when you do take time and you just do nothing, um, you'll you'll discover some things that you wouldn't have seen because you're just constantly on the go. So definitely build in, build in some break time. You know, keep track of how you spend your time so that way you can kind of design your life in a way where you can do things that make sense in, in rhythm with your energy as well. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, a, it's a big exercise that, uh, that's paid big dividends for me and, and for the people that I help. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, we're going to hit time here. Uh, Michael, if people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information? Uh, best way to find me is just go to breakfastleadership.com. I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook uh, under Be Fast Leadership. Also, don't put that on a license plate. That's not a good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, the police will uh, police see fast. Oh, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Attract yeah, attention. Exactly. It's like, hmm. Yeah, it's like, so yeah, breakfastleadership.com is the best place to find me. Uh, if, if people want a free template for that uh, bucket list thing that I referred to about listing you know, things on the left and right, then just go to breakfastleadership.com slash bucket and just enter some information. I'll email it to them right away. Excellent. Michael, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Great takeaways for our folks here. This has been really valuable. Thanks so much, Bruce. Enjoyed it. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.